Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real, and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. Good morning, everybody. So nobody responded. Is anybody awake? Good morning. Did everybody have their Hebrew coffee? Bad joke. Can we stand for the reading of the word? So here is the Apostle Paul and Silas in prison. This is Acts chapter 16, verses 22 to 26. It says, The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates and ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And, ha- and after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in, in an inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Stocks are uh, these wooden uh, apparatuses that you, if you sit down, you put your feet through. So it wasn't like the Hilton uh, Hotel there, right? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for today. We are praying by the power that's found in your name, Jesus Christ, that chains will be broken today, that strongholds will be broken today, Father God, that there will be miracles today in this house. Use me mightily to preach your word to your people. We give you all the glory and honor in a mighty church of life said, amen. You may be seated. So for those who don't know me, my name is Fernando. I'm a pastor on team and I had two passions growing up. I had the honor. Well, let me go back a little bit when I was childhood. So I love soccer, right? If you saw me from the ages to five to whatever, I would have a soccer ball. The world could have been coming to the end, but as long as I had a soccer ball and a soccer field to play on, I was good, right? My other passion is I love to play war games with my brother. So back then, all we had is a phone still you know, hooked up to the wall. Atari was the best uh, gaming system, right? Uh, if there was a fire alarm, you had to go to the corner and press it. So we had to be creative. Is anybody with me? Anybody from that era, right? So we had these little toy soldiers, and I had these fake walkie-talkies. And my brother and I would make believe we're the army, and we would hide and go outside in the trees, and there is a make-believe enemy, and we were like, you know, we had these fake walkie-talkies, right? And we're like talking to one another. I was like, I can't hear you. So he would yell across, and I'm like, well, that defeats the purpose, because the enemy can see me anyway, right? So it was good times growing up, and that got me into... Just the military, the armed forces, the Navy, the Air Force, the Army, and the Marines, and all the battles that America has fought, all the strategic planning, all the logistics around it, all the support system around it, all the planning of knowing your enemy, how to strike your enemy, where your enemy is found. But most wars were fought in the enemy's territory. Until 2001, 
The enemy came knocking on our door. 9-11 happened. And we all know, well, most of us or some of us know what happened that day. We were alive, right? I, I remember I was with my mom. And my mom, you know, who's been through World War II, we were watching TV and uh, we saw, not, we didn't see the actual explosion, but we saw the aftermath. And I'm like, there's a, there, there's a bomb that blew up and everything. Something happened. She's like, that's a terrorist attack. I'm like, and I'm like I, didn't know, I didn't even know how she knew that, right? But she was alive during World War II and Portugal was a neutral country where all the U-boats uh, from the German side and the American submarines would, you know, port and, you know, they were neutral on both sides. So, eight days after 9-11, a special force of CIA agents dove in, you know, parachuted in into Afghan territory with $3 million in cash to actually uh, create an alliance with the Northern Alliance who were against the Taliban. What had happened is they were preparing to launch a big offensive and invade Afghanistan. They found out that the Taliban was the enemy and Osama bin Laden, who had orchestrated and trained these men to hit the Twin Towers, was there. So in 2007, a US-led coalition of British and American forces led a strategic bombing mission and the plane of choice was a B-52A, it should be on the screen, Wow, if you see a bunch of these babies flying over you, what are you going to do? You're going to run. This has a wingspan of 182 feet on each side. It has the ability to carry 70,000 pounds of payload of bombs. It has a range of 9,000 miles, and it has the ability to fly 50,000 feet in the air. With logistics on the ground of supporting countries, they were able to target and strategically strike the enemy with JDAM weapons, which is Joint Direct Attack Munitions. Basically what they did is they take old uh, World War II bombs and they use this kit that they now become GPA skydive. Not only did the enemy get a, you know, uh, strike, and they, and they were, whole, you know, they, they had RPGs, you know, they're probably looking up, they're like, these things can't reach it. They're going into these caves. These bombs had to be powerful enough to destroy these caves. But we later learned that throughout the whole war, the psychological effect that it had on the enemy was powerful. But one thing we found out after 9-11 is, is there was a council put together by the American government and they found out we were at war and we weren't ready. And a lot of times in our life, there's things coming against us that we either minimize or don't know the intent. Just like 9-11 took America off guard, Sometimes the enemy takes us off guard because there is a real spiritual war going on. It fights for your family and it fights for your God-given calling. So what is our weaponry that we have in our arsenal? It's prayer. Prayer is power. Prayer is our main weapon to fight the many enemies' attacks we face daily. It is how we communicate with our Father in heaven who knows all, sees all, and more importantly, is more powerful than all. Just like the American forces called into the location of the enemy, prayer is our direct connection to the one who is all-powerful. And if you're taking notes, the title of our message is, Prayer is our walkie-talkie for wartime. Prayer is our walkie-talkie for wartime. Turn to your person on your right say, get ready for war. Turn to the left, because it's time to take the fight to the enemy. Let's go. Come on. 
You know, the Bible tells us in Revelation 12, 10 that uh, Satan is the accusers of brethren and he accuses us day and night. But is everything that happens to us daily an attack from the enemy? No. Is a bad hair day, women, or guys, a flat tire, a demonic attack? Maybe. I'm just saying. Women probably say, amen, it is. Not everything is a spiritual attack. But as we grow with our walk with Christ, the Holy Spirit gives us discernment to know what is and what isn't. So how do we stay alert and ready in our prayer lives? The Apostle Paul tells us clearly in these following scriptures. So if you've got your Bibles handies, turn to Colossians in the New Testament, chapter 4, verses 2 to 4. And this is the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Colossae. He says, be persistent in prayer. Keep alert as you pray, giving thanks to God. At the same time, pray for, for us so that God will give us a good opportunity to preach his message about the secret of Christ. For this is why I'm now in prison. Pray then that I might speak as I should in such a way as to make, make it clear. He's talking about the gospel, right? So he's Praying, he's, he's like encouraging them to pray, but he's also going, I need prayer. I'm sending you coordinates. I'm in the Colossian church. Call out the general from the Lord's army and send out a missile strike. Amen? But Paul, in another letter in the Thessalonians, he says this, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. It's a famous passage of scripture. It says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Now, some versions say pray without ceasing. I kind of dug into this, and people think that we're supposed to be pray 24 hours a day. If you do that, you're going to get fired. I'm just saying. Like, if your boss is like, what are you doing? I'm praying. It's like, well, the Bible says that. Yeah, it's like, but God says to honor where you work. And, you know, just, just clarity there. What he wants us is to be in a constant state of communion with our spirit and soul and heart with God. So you can talk to God, like, every day. Like, Lord, help me get to work on time. The Lord's like, get up on time. Right? <laughs> just saying. He's... He's a miracle worker. He's not going to do everything for you. So to give you a little bit of... Well, let me finish the verse. <laughs> Giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So to give you a little bit of a context, specifically around the Colossian church, the letter was written specifically to them because there was doctrinal error at that time. There were false teachers. Sort of like what's happening in the world now, right? They were saying that they were denying Jesus humanity and his full deity so the letter corrected that but most importantly the letter encouraged them how to pray because prayer is one thing you can encourage somebody from afar paul had been shipwrecked he had been stoned with rocks right he had been bitten by a viper he had been persecuted by his people but he knew with prayer in a moment's notice god can work a miracle so from his writing, we find three ways in which prayer is a weapon for us and how directly communicating with our Father shapes us for battle. You guys ready? Ladies ready? So I'm going to say the points, and then there's a couple of quotes after. It says, number one, persistent prayer arms you. Persistent prayer arms you. Here's a great quote. Work as if everything depends on you. Pray if everything depends on you on God. Prayer is powerful. So how many of us have one of these babies? All of us, right? So this is a great communication system where it can be, you know, the death of you at the same time. Just saying, Pastor Israel Campbell talking about distractions. 
So we communicate via text, via, I, I don't think anybody calls anybody anymore. Everybody FaceTimes people, Instagrams people, right? It's a, it, there's more computing power in here than the lunar module that landed on the moon. Yet it is limited to the power that it's plugged into. So the more I use this, the less power it has. Fair enough? Prayer is the opposite. Prayer, the more you pray consistently, the more powerful you are and the more powerful your life becomes because you're connected to the most powerful being ever and his name is Jesus Christ. And one thing of prayer has, it has unlimited range. This is limited to the network it's connected to. I got T-Mobile, right? Shameless plug there. I used to work for Sprint. There you go. And then next All right, stay focused. But prayer, unlimited range. You can pray for somebody on the moon. One day we're going to be there. Just saying. Or somebody in Australia. I can pray for a sick person in Portugal. I can pray for salvation for people I haven't even met. Right? We can pray. Like, our prayer teams are a reason why we pray for people's salvation, people's healing. We pray for people that are not here. Like, if you're new... Uh, to our church, welcome. This is your first time. We prayed for you. You just didn't show up. Somebody invited you. You saw a video. That's just God wooing you. You know, he loves you. He's bringing you in. But one thing I learned about prayer, it's caught. It's not a gift. It's not, you know, gift number 10, you know, of, of the Holy Spirit, right? And it's not a special saying or doing. You don't have to be, like, articulate or eloquent in your speech. It's just a habit that you pick up. In the book of Luke, it says, as it was a custom, Jesus departed for prayer. A custom in Greek means habit. And one of the best ways that I personally have built that habit is 6 a.m. men's prayer. We're the men in the house. We're my prayer warriors. You get battle tested there. Look, the best way to, to explain it is, let me, let me just backtrack. <laughs> just a funny story. When I first came to... Uh, Church Alive about 10 years ago, I think Pastor Andy, we had that uh, men's group that he was leading. It was not transformed groups. And I was used to praying for 15 seconds. So when he said amen, I, I sat down. And then he's, I'm like, he's still standing up. And his eyes are closed and they're still talking. So I stood back up. And then he said amen. And I sat down. I'm like, I'm, I got to do legs later. I'm doing squats over here. And that happened for the next 10 minutes. I didn't catch it at first. That first of all, they were spending time in listening for the Holy Spirit's promptings. They were also giving the Lord his due um, praise by waiting. Prayer is not an ATM. We don't call the Lord like, Lord, can you wait on me and send me a pillow while I'm at war? No, I'll give you a walkie-talkie so you, I can, you can call on me and send on a missile strike. Right? So when I went to men's prayer... I really learned, and being around Pastor Anthony Prince and Miriam, right, I really learned, because when you're around prayer warriors, you learn how to fight. You learn how to fight, and you learn how to fight with confidence. If you go into war with prayer and fear, you have lost. Now, you can have some type of fear, right, because courage uh, without fear is not courage, right? But you want to go with confidence. So I want to encourage everybody this morning to make it a non-negotiable. Men's prayer... Women's prayer, 6.15, Thursday, right? And then Sunday prayer, 7 a.m. 
That's where our prayer warriors are there. This is where our people are battle-tested. This is where people get drawn into prayer, learn how to pray. And the greatest thing about being around people like that is you hear the miracles. My God, it's, it's incredible. You know, I never want to minimize the power of God, but I'm going to say it's become normal. Sorry, Lord, don't stop doing it. It's become normal in our house. The, the, the marriages that have been restored, the, 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 the babies that were supposed to die, they're here. Pastor Steve went to the hospital, was it two weeks ago, and they're healthy. The cancer that's been cured. I mean, the people, the addictions that have been broken, right? Incredible. And that's all because we call on the name of Jesus. Amen? Is this good? All right. Point two. Prayer makes you alert and watchful. Prayer makes you alert and watchful. Prayer, it's pride's destroyer, ruins remedy, and the antidote to all anxieties. I'm going to say it one more time. Prayer, it's pride's destroyer, ruins remedy, and the antidote to all anxieties. Great quote by Charles Spurgeon, the great pastor and preacher of the 18th century. So prayer is not only a walkie-talkie communication system between us and our Heavenly Father, it also keeps us in a constant state of being humble and not full of pride. Pride is one of the primary weapons of the enemy in which he uses to get us full of ourselves and make prayer ineffective in our lives, right? And, how, you know, do we really know we're in pride? Like, you don't know we're in pride until you're in pride. Right? Until somebody wakes up and is like, you know what? You sound a little prideful. What's our first response? No, I'm not. What are you talking about? You're the ones that pride. Right? So whether you've been a Christian for five seconds or 50 years, all of us have battled that. Now, pride can be an overarching statement. It's like, you know, pride. You know, five letters, pride. Five letters, the devil. Pride equals the devil. I'm just saying, keep that in your mind. But I, I believe just from my experience, that the devil lives in our everyday circumstances. The smallest circumstances, like making an illegal left turn. <laughs> ah, people are like, I did this this morning. <laughs> or let's say you get more money back when, you, when, you're doing a, when you're paying out a cash register, and you're like, wow, I got 20 bucks. Thank you, Lord. Otherwise, I know, like, take it back. Yeah. Right? Or you get angry at somebody because they cut you off, and you want to show them the finger, finger, I didn't say any finger, right? Those thoughts start opening the door to bring hell up, right? And that's why when we're in prayer, prayer reminds you that he's in control, he knows it all, he's all-powerful, and without him, we can't even be alive. He is the author and perfecter of our faith, he is the author and perfecter of life and death. Honestly, the Lord can do whatever he wants, he doesn't owe us anything, you know what's so incredible about the Lord's love? Is that he chooses to love us. That's a selfless love, right? When, when you need somebody and you love them, that's selfish. At, at, our, at our worst, the Lord loves us. At our point where we are, cannot move forward, when we recognize, oh my God, I'm a sinner, I need a Savior, the Lord consistently loves us. You know, Romans 5 says, God demonstrates, not demonstrated, it means it's constant, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And being in prayer is not just communicating to strike the enemy, but keeping us humble. Keeping us, because one of the main things about prayer, and I think the main thing, is 
the condition of your heart. It renews your heart. It makes your heart more like the Father's heart. Next thing you know, you stop praying for yourself. You stop praying for other people. Look, it's good to pray for yourself, right? You know, Lord, give me the ability to go to work. Again, he says, get up on time, right? But honestly, give me, you know, give me favor with my coworkers. Give me favor when I want to interact with people. You know, give me favor when I'm interacting with people at the store, right? Um, I come against the Simon of the enemy. I pray the Father's protection against my, my family, my wife, the, the pastors in the church. I pray the blood of Jesus. These are constant prayers that I do every day. It's just like a habit, right? But one thing that I always do is I thank him for salvation. If you want to stay humble and understand, and I'm not going to get into it. That's a different message. The gravity of what we were in when God saved us, like everything else is a blessing. Like, where do I sign up? You want me to serve? Sure. I'm 24 hours a day. And that keeps you humble. Does that resonate with people? All right. I got three hours left. I'm going to, one more example. I think this is great uh, about being humble. So, and, and I wasn't going to put this in my notes, but I just feel a, a nudge from the Holy Spirit. There's, you know, the Bible tells us that when God, you know, for the first 30 years of Jesus' life on earth, he does nothing. The ministry hasn't started. And he gets baptized by John the Baptist, and the heavens open. And it's really a thunderous roar. It's actually the public declaration of Jesus' ministry. And he says, this is my beloved who I'm well pleased. So he's affirming his identity already by nothing that he does, just that he, that is his son. It says that the Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the, into the desert. So Jesus is 40 days fasting, and I'm sure he's praying, right? So the first attack, the devil's trying to get him in pride. He's like, if you're the son of man, turn this stone into bread. Can you, you know, if I'm Jesus, I'd be like, excuse me, didn't you hear the news alert? CNN, he just said, I'm Jesus, you know, I'm the son of God. Why are you even asking me? He does nothing. He goes, he goes straight into the word. He in his humble state. He understood. He's like, I see what the Father does. I hear what the Father does. I do what he says. He says, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from God. It's a great example of how to stay humble. Amen? And point number three. I cut off on my paper. Say it. Prayer cultivates thankfulness. Can I get the, uh, I must say pianist to come on. Keys. You guys awake today? You gonna help me preach this? All right. Your attitude more than your aptitude will determine your altitude. Right? Your attitude, more than your aptitude, will determine your altitude. That's John Maxwell. What he's pretty much saying, your attitude, the attitude of your heart. Right? Thankfulness keeps us above sin, bitterness, and an unforgiving spirit. Every battle and victory in the Christian walk are reasons to praise God. Prayer helps cultivate worship and thankfulness in our hearts and strikes pride, enabling us to remain effective. Being thankful, we get to see the enemy from a victorious position instead of a defeated position. So have a mental picture where if you're drowning, you, you, know, you pop your head up and you just keep it right above the line. And that's what thankfulness does. 
Because the other weapon that the enemy uses to keep you from being effective and knowing the Father's heart is unforgiveness and bitterness. And thankfulness is the number one tool to counteract that. In fact, one of the great habits that I want to encourage everybody to do is write down two things that you're thankful every day. In your prayer journal, right? Anybody ever have a prayer journal? Awesome. Write down your prayers. Write down what you're expecting in detail. Don't be afraid. You know, call out the enemy, what he's doing. Call out the healing that you're looking for. Call out the job that you want. If you believe it from God, call it out. Write it down. I mean, it is incredible. And when you look back, you're like, oh, my God, he did it. I got that job for $150,000. You can clap. It's okay. God blesses you with that. Don't be afraid. Look, it's not how much you make, but what you do with the money you make, that makes all the difference. Some of the greatest people that serve the Lord make millions of dollars, and it's how they steward it. They're not evil. They're like, oh my God, they're going, no, God has blessed them, right? You know, um, many, many years ago, uh, faced a, a battle, and, and, and you probably heard me speak on, uh, but it really tested me, right? I, I had learned how to pray, but never had been on a battle like that. And it was a battle that I caused, right? Um, and surrounded by great people. I had, you know, I had a, a niece in Florida who I just called 24 hours a day. I'm, I'm an extrovert, so I can't hold anything in. I'll just like diary of the mouth. And I would just ask her, it's like, when is this happening? Why is it this? And she's like, what the Lord is going to, I'm like, I don't, I don't see it. And it's just, she was there. And I had a couple who gave me specific verses to write down. Right, Second Corinthians ten four five for weapons of a warfare not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds and casting down arguments and everything high that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So whenever I was in an argument, I would pray that. Sometimes it works, sometimes, but I was believing God's word, right? And then I had um, male around, male friends around me that just kept on encouraging me. But something started to happen. Look, I didn't feel like I was winning. I didn't. I didn't see the miracle. There was nothing happening. Actually, it was going the opposite way. And then there was a shift. And I remember now looking back, I had written specifically what I was looking for and what I believed because you want to pray God's will. Right? He's into reconciliation. He is into restoration. He's into healing. That's the heart of the Father. It, anything that unites is from heaven. Anything that divides is demonic. Right? And it happened. <laughs> I actually prayed for a job making $100,000 to, 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 to the last zero. Incredible. Did I deserve it at that time? No. Right? But it happened. And that got me into the habit of being thankful every day. Just being thankful. It keeps you away from covetous, bitterness, sin. And one of the worst things, I don't know if it's the law of comparison, but the comparison game. Look at him. Look at her. What is she doing? Look at them they're speaking. Look at this. Look at what they have. Look, Instagram is not bad. Well, it can be. Uh, but it's how you view it. It makes it horrible. 
Because if you're comparing and seeing what other people are doing, then don't go on there. Is this good? You know, in the beginning uh, of our message, um, we saw Paul and Silas in the prison singing and praying, singing hymns. What happened is they went to the city of Philippi and they were preaching the gospel and there was a fortune teller who was possessed by a demon. It's funny, the devil knew right away. It's like, here are the holy ones. And Paul, he got annoyed. He just cast the demon out. And there were, I would say, kiosks of, of businessmen and they would use her to make money. It's sort of like the world we live in, right? Things are used sometimes from God and they're not from God and they're used to make money. Well, they got pissed and they threw him into jail. So they went and attacked the enemy and they were singing hymns and they were praying. So they weren't controlled by their circumstances. Paul had already survived many things and his counterpart has seen that from Paul and did the same thing. And it says that everybody was listening. And it says that the doors broke open. You know, and when we are persistent in prayer, watchful for our enemy, and thankful in praising God, this is what happens. So this is the second part of that story. It's in Acts chapter 16, verses 22 to 32, and then 34. So this is what happens when you start to pray for freedom. The jailer woke, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. So in those times, as the prisoners were gone, you're dead. Like, it's finito. They're not going to take you to court and be like, sure, it was just, that was the Roman culture. But look at what Paul does. Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are here. We are all here. The jailers called for the lights, rushed and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Prayer, persistency, watchfulness, thankfulness. They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the, his house. Verse 34. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Wow. Incredible. Praise and thankfulness always puts us in a position where God can work miracles in an instance. And today, we're going to believe that. Today we're going to believe that strongholds are going to be broken, that chains are going to be broken, that addiction is going to be broken, that marriages are going to be restored. We're going to call out a surgical strike from heaven. The location is 525 Riverside Avenue. Don't worry, if you're saved, you're, going to, you're not going to be hit. And we're just going to believe that those things happen. So can we stand for, to our feet for a second? Before I invite people into the greatest invitation, which is coming to a relationship with Jesus, you know, you know, preparing this message, you know, recently my family got hit with a, a, a I want to say a surgical strike, but the strike of the enemy. The devil literally came knocking on my front door. 
and he wanted to take our family out. And I remember uh, texting one of the guys from Transform, and it said, the, you know, the devil's at my front door. He's not going to have us, and I need you to pray for me and my family. Well, I started, you know, praying for an hour, and then I fell into sleep. And exactly what I text, it happened. I was actually at war against the devil. And what I did, because I was battle-tested, because I had been persistent. And look, I'm not impervious to attacks. I am no better than anybody else. I am just a son of God who serves a great God. But when you're battle-tested, when you know the Word of God, and you've seen miracles, sometimes you just got to tell the devil, get the heck out of here. You're not going to have my family. You're not going to conquer what I'm doing. You're not going to stop my God-given calling. And today, I believe there are people that have come in with strongholds or chains. So we're going to close our eyes and bow our heads. And if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. See that hand? I see that hand. Awesome. I see all those hands. Father God, I thank you right now. Holy Spirit, you see these hands. You know exactly what the enemy is doing. We pray for a surgical strike from heaven, from the general of the armies of heaven, to break these chains in Jesus' name. May there be healing. May there be restoration in Jesus' name. May we cast out the devil. Devil, you have no right over these people's lives. We declare them saved. We declare them sanctified and reconciled to you. Amen. With your eyes still closed and heads bowed. You know, it's my honor to invite you to the greatest invitation ever given uh, by our Father in Heaven, which is to come into relationship with Him through His Son, you know, Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that the God of this age blinds people to God's glory, but those who turn to the, the Lord, the veil is lifted. Then it goes on to say, for where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It wasn't an accident that you came here today. God has loved you before you loved Him. God has saw you and He has a great plan for you. On the other side of that decision is freedom. On the other side of that decision is life and life abundantly. And most importantly, on the other, life, other side of that decision is salvation, which is you're sealed in heaven. And nothing can take that away from you. So if that is you, if you're coming back to the Father, or is this your first time making a decision to give your life to Christ, on a count of three, I want you to raise your hands. Ready? One, two, three. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see the hand back there. Awesome. I see that hand. I see that hand. Awesome. Church, let's pray like a family. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. I make you my Lord and Savior. From this day on, I commit my life to you. May what I do bring you honor and glory. Today is a new day. In Jesus' mighty name, 
Amen. Amen. Did you receive the word today?